Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. And welcome to Real Presence Live. My name's Father Tim Smith. And I'm Thomas Escrow. And we are broadcasting live from Holy Cross Catholic Church in Ipswich, South Dakota, heart of the Real Presence Radio Listening Network. We're so grateful to uh, just celebrate God's goodness and glory. And as we continue to proclaim the gospel with our lives each and every day, uh, my name is Pastor uh, Tim Smith. I'm a pastor of Holy Cross Church, and I'm joined with Thomas Escrow, who is the headquarter of... Uh, Thomas, what's your main role? <laughs> it's a director of evangelization and discipleship at Sacred Heart Catholic Church in, or, yeah, Sacred Heart in Aberdeen. And uh, we're grateful to be in the north, uh, and we're both working in the Lord's Vineyard. Uh, Thomas and his work of f- formation and catechesis and discipleship and uh, encouraging the faithful in all up and down our area. And of course, um, as a priest, bringing the sacraments and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus to the people in our area. And we're so grateful to share the faith with all our Real Presence Radio listening family all around the upper Midwest. Um, and of course, we're grateful to just shine a light on the good things the Lord is doing in the world today. But as with everything, Thomas, let's begin with a word of prayer. Let's do it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, Son and the Holy Spirit, Spirit. Amen. amen. Father in heaven, we're so grateful for the gifts of your love, the gifts of your grace that you bestow on us. And as members of your holy church, we ask that you would strengthen us as we proclaim the gospel in a world in need of your light, your love, and your truth. We ask that you would fill us with your blessing as we share the gospel this morning. We ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, Father, this is my first time to your parish here at Holy Cross in Ipswich, South Dakota. So thanks for welcoming me in. I'm going to give you the grand tour. Now, Thomas, uh, uh, do you, do you do, are you involved in the catechesis of the Good Shepherd? Yeah, at your parish? absolutely. Yep. Well, one thing, I, after, once we get off air, I want to show off our atriums yeah. that we have here. So, I love seeing atriums at different parishes. So, They're such beautiful spaces that people set up. I know in your work of evangelization, yeah. I, and, I, and we talk about that on Real Presence Live. Our, our regular listeners know about that, but we're proud of our atrium and, and, our, and our catechist here at the parish. So after we get done, we'll run across over to the Grace Center for Catholic education here, um, and we'll go ahead and I'll show you our beautiful uh, atriums and the work we do in our, our catechesis here, but I'm so grateful for your presence and also just the work that you do with the members in your parish in the, in the area of Aberdeen. Um, you know... All of our listeners, uh, no matter where your parish is at, no matter how you're passing on the faith to your children, uh, we live in a time of, of anxiety, perhaps tension. We just experienced a uh, very uh, rife and tumultuous uh, political climate uh, right here in our nation, the United States of America. And we're grateful this morning to be joined by Mr. Chris Motes, who's the executive director of the South Dakota Catholic Conference, who advises and works with the bishops of the state of South Dakota in regards to the church's engagement with the public square. Chris, thanks for being on Real Presence Live this morning. Always a pleasure, Father. And, uh, you know, getting an update from you on, on 
you know, particularly where we're at as faithful citizens. Um, of course, uh, the, our Bishop's Conference here in the United States of, the, of America has a document on faithful citizenship. We talk about that regularly here on Real Presence Radio, whether it's our local programming or our national. This is something that's a regular topic, um, whether you're listening to Morning Glory or or called to communion, or, or Catholic answers. We're always answering these questions about how our faith informs us as faithful citizens. And with our national and state elections concluding, you know, what are some takeaways for you, Chris, as you work dedicated to this work of faithful citizenship as a layperson in service to the church? What are some takeaways for you in these days after this national and state and local elections? Well, I, one of the things I'm reminded of, Father, is is the the famous uh, um, story of the woman who asks Ben Franklin um, what we've got as he's coming out of the, the Constitutional Convention, um, and his response to her is, "A republic, madam, if we can keep it." Hmm. So, you know, I'm reminded of that story just because the question comes to mind: um, Can we can we keep it? You know, and this is this is a perennial question. We talk about. Um, our great democracy as the American experiment. Um, it's not the American uh, conclusion or the American, uh, you know, result. It's it's an ongoing thing, and it's it's only as um, only as sure or as stable as, uh, insofar as each generation of citizens are willing to do the the hard hard work. Of keeping it, of of perpetuating the experiment, um, and I think there were some really um, insightful lessons that that have emerged in this most recent political cycle, uh, just about the hard hard work that is yet in front of us in terms of of keeping uh, our great republic. You know, you talk about this experimental um, reality of you know living American democracy. You know, uh, Thomas as a catechist and a faith formator and also a husband and father responsible for raising a family uh, with good values and faith. Chris, you, your own wife and children um, living faithful uh, lives of seeking holiness each and every day. You know, there's some obstacles in the current uh, culture that we're facing. And one experimental thing for our members of Real Presence Radio, our listening network that, that's listening to the show right now, our state, the state of South Dakota, recently had a passage for recreational marijuana. Now, other states in our listening area have or will face similar legislation, but we're the first uh, state government in our Real Presence Radio listening area that has had the full-scale passage of legislation and Amendment A um, for the specific details, which permits the recreational use of marijuana, puts it on par with items such as tobacco and alcohol, although it's an entirely different substance. You know, this is a challenge for us. We, there are many cultural challenges in us living the faith, guiding, guarding, protecting love in our families. You know, this raises a lot of questions on what this does and what this holds for the common good. Chris, this is an issue you're familiar with. You know our legislators. What are some of the questions that this raises for us as we move forward in our state? Well, it, you know, it raises a lot of questions. Um, and the way, that it was, the way that it was pitched by its proponents was as, you know, we've all heard this ubiquitous term, recreational marijuana. And mm -hmm. I just want to stop right there. 
and say that is a, that's a misnomer. There's nothing recreational about it. In South Dakota, when we talk about recreation, we're talking about uh, shooting some pheasants or ducks or going fishing or kayaking or hiking or biking. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing recreational about using drugs. Mm. Um, you know, obviously our, our church teaches that, that uh, drugs can be licitly used um, for, for therapeutic or medicinal purposes, but when we're talking about deliberately ingesting a drug for the sake of altering our, our, our perception of, of reality, our perception of, um, of, of the world as it is, that's, um, that, that's, a, that's a grave harm. So I guess the, the, the lesson for those other states, you know, in the listening area is like, is, is like, maybe South Dakota can be a lesson uh, to you guys that this is, um, this is no, this is no small thing. And I, I don't think the, the voters um, really thought about it. I, I mean, I'm, you know, obviously want to have respect for the, for the processes, but I gotta, I gotta be honest, the voters got it wrong. Um, I don't think that the good people of South Dakota really thought through that well, what exactly, um, this, this is what it, uh, and, and the effects that it's likely to have on our state. So Chris Thomas here, uh, one thing that I'm noticing or in, in this public debate, like when I was going through school, and I think many of our listeners going through school were, t- were taught pretty strongly that marijuana is considered a gateway drug, that using yeah. it leads to, uh, to other drugs, and for that reason, it's illegal, we shouldn't partake in it. And there's a real shifting of public opinion. I think about the way that I grew up versus even my younger siblings that are eight or ten years younger than me and going through the public schools and what they were taught has changed. And uh, I think on a broad scale, public opinion has shifted to say that marijuana is less of a gateway drug uh, than what I was sort of indicating. I think this leads to a lot of confusion, especially for people that are trying to live the Christian life about what is the morality surrounding marijuana? Could you could you speak to how we as Catholics understand uh, moral use of drugs and specifically of marijuana? Yeah, I, I'd be happy to. One thing I, I do want to say before getting into the morality just real quickly is that uh, I think you're right, Thomas, that public opinion has shifted. But one thing for us to be aware of is just the, the massive amount of money that has been put into shifting Mm. public opinion. Mm-hmm. So, and just one quick fact is here in South Dakota, a relatively inexpensive media market, proponents of, of Constitutional Amendment A um, were, by and large, not from South Dakota, and they, they invested $2 million in the campaign to legalize marijuana in our state. The, uh, the coalition of opponents, on the other hand, who are working against it, we're able to scratch together about $300,000. So outspent uh, by about uh, seven to one. So mm. there's really been a concerted commercial industry effort to shift the public uh, conception of what this is. But to your, to your question, your point about, about morality, we, we can very properly understand so-called recreational marijuana use as a vice. Mm. It's it's not a it's not a good thing, um, you know. We can understand it um, perhaps in a related way to intentionally drinking to get drunk, like the church the church teaches that that's a that's a mortal sin. Now the question always comes up: 
well, what about why do you know should and this is a this is a question Thomas Aquinas asked eight hundred years ago mm. should should every vice be illegal and Thomas says no um, that's that's not necessarily the point of law is to to make every single vice illegal there would be um, a lot a lot of laws then mm-hmm. the human beings are very creative in thinking of new vices here but the point with marijuana is that um, it's it's a particularly significant vice. It was already illegal. Why should we make it legal? But one of the things that we can see when we look at it is all of the, the grave effects, um, not just on the individual in terms of increasing um, the, increasing the incidence of of, of psychosis, mm-hmm. um, increasing the incidence uh, of of addiction and cognitive impairments, but we can also trace um, the vicious effects into the very fabric of a community itself. Um, so, in in Colorado, for example, when recreational marijuana was uh, was legalized uh, for adults, um, there was a many-fold increase in use among children, teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it it, it kind of, if you look at the, the coalition that opposed it in South Dakota, too, you can almost see the effects in the different groups that were on this coalition. So, um, for, for example, um, we, we know that there, it's, it's increased by, uh, it's accompanied by an increase in crime. Mm. Um, all of, all of the, all of the, the law enforcement trade groups were opposed to this because they know what happens mm-hmm. uh, with crime in a community. Um, you've got all of your major medical and healthcare groups opposed to it. Mm-hmm. Um, not only, uh, um, not not only do they they take a, um, a a kind of a poor view towards it as a medical um, resource because it's it's uncontrolled, unregulated. You don't know what your dosages are like. But even just within um, the, the comorbidities, if you will, of and I, I interviewed somebody on faith and politics from a treatment center, and they they really kind of walked through all of the increasing incidences of psychosis um, that occur in in regular users. Um, so it's it, the kind of this public narrative all it's not that dangerous. That's that's a myth. It's it is a dangerous substance. Sure. Well, we're with uh, Chris Motes, executive director of the South Dakota Catholic Conference, and this morning we're talking about recent passage of recreational marijuana amendment in the state of South Dakota, and also possible or likely proposed legislation in a state near you. Um, for those who haven't already had those legislation on the books, it's likely you'll see similar, similar things in the future, as well as other lobbying groups. Um, we're going to continue this topic and raise the awareness on the dangers, as well as what we can do to prayerfully and faithfully participate in the democratic process to oppose such legislation. That's all right here on Real Pleasance Live. Stay with us. We're going to take a short break. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. It's 
It's a great time to spring into summer at Riverview Senior Living Community in Fargo. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director. We are currently accepting new independent and assisted living residents. Riverview provides a safe, comfortable place to live with a small town Main Street feel with home-cooked food, a la carte care services, daily activities, and mass five days a week. You can contact Marin or Katie to find out about all that Riverview has to offer at 701-237-4700 or at homeishere.org. If you are experiencing depression, anxiety, or suffering, especially from grieving, how can you find healing? I'm Father Chris Alar. While you should first seek professional help when needed, there is a roadmap that can help you to live your life again, and it is called the Spiritual Principles of Divine Mercy. First, come to admit that you are powerless over the loss of your loved one. Second, come to trust that Jesus can restore your life to manageability. And third, make the decision to entrust your will, your life, and your loved one to the loving care and protection of God. Join us and learn more about how to apply these healing principles in your life. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. As a working mother, I was thrilled to learn about the University of Mary's new online Catholic-infused graduate programs that truly work around my schedule. University of Mary knows that choosing to continue your education at this point in life can be both challenging and rewarding. That's why we've created a robust portfolio of truly affordable, truly flexible, and truly formative online programs to make choosing easy. Visit us at catholicprofessional.life. That's dot L-I-F-E. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. My name is Father Tim Smith. And I'm Thomas Esker. We're broadcasting from Holy Cross Catholic Church in Ipswich, South Dakota. And this morning we're talking about uh, the topic of supposed recreational marijuana, what that is, what that concept is, and and how recent passage of legislation in our own listening area um, is presenting this as something for our culture, for our our country to accept. We see this all around our nation as it's been accepted in different uh, voter precincts. And our guest this morning is Mr. Chris Motes, the executive director of the South Dakota Catholic Conference. Um, Chris, we were just speaking ago about uh, you talked about the different opponents of this legislation prior to Election Day where the Amendment A passed, and you mentioned law enforcement agencies. Um, there's a, a deacon in the Diocese of Bismarck. He is the director of the large, one, a large law enforcement agency for the state, um, man of great integrity, um, and uh, he, I spoke with him directly um, prior to preaching about this topic and how it harms the well-being of our families, and it's contrary to the teachings of the Catholic faith for perpen- persons to ingest 
uh, marijuana for the persons of inhibiting their God-given reason. Mm. Uh, the Catechism mm-hmm. of the Catholic Church uh, very directly speaks that drug use inflicts very grave damage on human health and life. And then mentioning some of those harmful effects we talked about just a moment ago, um, this this uh, law enforcement officer, as well as a deacon of the church, uh, an agent, uh, was very in his work of doing uh, drug crime work for throughout his whole career, including undercover vice work. Um, not to mention the things you talked about, these grave uh, harms done to our psychological health. And he raised the awareness to me on, on how frequent, regular use of marijuana, you know, really deteriorates a person's intellectual well-being, psychological health, and and contributes to um, further dependence upon state aid as well as medical associations. He also talked about, Chris, how hospitals, as a pastor of the church, from time to time, I'm called to visit one of our members who are in a psychiatric ward or in a treatment center. I'm, I've been involved in drug recovery work for 15 years and, and working with people who are on the pathway to recovery from alcoholism or addiction. Um, we also see a rise in an opioid epidemic around our nation. And of mm-hmm. course, that affect, affects our church members and our families as well. Um, Chris, you know, we see all this emerging you know, what are some of the social and legal implications of this widespread use of marijuana legalization? I personally don't see that our treatment industry is going to be ready to handle the increase of human problems and the harm that this will cause to our families. What is your experience working with lawmakers on those topics? You know, that that's a great point, too, Father. Um, just the, the, the treatment side of things, uh, just because we know there are so many harms that it can happen to a person. You know, it, it, men, mental health, as substance abuse, uh, addiction, uh, treatment, um, these topics have been at the forefront of our legislature's mind for the last, oh, three or four years, uh, mm-hmm. maybe longer. We We... We, we know that um, substance abuse of various sorts, you know, we talk, about the, we talk about the opioid epidemic, we talk about the suicide epidemic, we talk about a mental health crisis mm. in, our, in our state. Um, and so in a certain sense, we're already grappling with how to deal with, with some of these societal issues that oftentimes go hand in hand. And and we haven't, I, you know, we're doing our we're doing our best to sort through it, but I I don't think it's unfair to say that we haven't quite figured it out yet. Mm-hmm. You know how are we how are we allocating our resources, and really, um, putting, you know, the, the the right the right people and institutions in the right places to to help, um, sort of catch and and care for. For, for people that really, really need help, um, it, you know, from the perspective of the church, it's almost, I, I kind of hate to say, but it's kind of like a no-brainer. Like, you know, when you, when you do, when there's a, a massive breakdown of society, uh, family and society, you know, we know that, that uh, 40% of, of children, on average, um, are born, born into a broken home. And when we, we know when there's sort of... Um, widespread decline in morality that leads to all sorts of vices, um, mm. marijuana use among them, or other drug use, that it just requires a, a bigger 
and more robust response um, from the government, from healthcare, to sort of um, pick up all the pieces from broken lives hmm. um, and, and try and care for people and, and help them uh, become whole again. But, uh, you know, it's, it's not an easy problem to solve by any stretch of the imagination. It would be far simpler to just um, uh, to, to not have these problems to begin with by living virtuous lives. You know, Chris, one thing I heard a lot from different people, uh, and I think, I think this has led, this is the legalization is the bad fruit of sort of a fragmentation of the idea of living a communal life with other people in, in the sense that when I talk with other people, a lot of people said, Hey, I'm not big into, I'm not going to smoke weed, but what do I care if my neighbor down the street does? Or the guy down the road does, and uh, this way, you know, we can save money on law enforcement because we don't have to bust these college kids for an ounce of weed. And it's sort of like an idea that what another person, what another person does, does not have an effect on me, and what yeah. I do doesn't affect them. And that stands in stark contrast to what our faith teaches, doesn't it, Chris? That's right, Thomas. That's a very, very good point, and I think that's one of the big takeaways from not just this political cycle, but from um, recent decades in America, is like, what is our conception of freedom? And, and what, is, um, what is the aim of society in orienting itself towards freedom? So there's sort of this widespread misconception that freedom is simply um, maximizing our, the number of choices on the table, and all choices are equal, which is completely contrary to what uh, to the conception of freedom that the Church gives us. And it's, you know, it's, it's not unique to the Church. This, this conception of freedom dates all the way back to, you know, the pre-Christian Greek philosophers that, that freedom is, freedom's got an end. It's got a telos. It's got a, there's a goal to it. The, the aim of freedom is, is right living. The aim of freedom is, is virtue and choosing well. You know, that's when we talk about, um, ordered liberty, um, uh, you know, liberty under law is like we, we actually, we need to have laws for our community that orient us towards, towards right, right living, towards, um, towards the true aim of freedom. Mm. Um, th- this other thing that you mentioned, Thomas, about just community, I think this is really important, too. There's, um, there's a book from uh, Senator Ben Sass a couple years ago. He's the, a senator from Nebraska. The book is called Them, Why We Hate Each Other and How to Heal. Um, in the first chapter of the book, he, he kind of traces through how drug use is tearing apart communities. And he quotes a, a reporter who, who says that um, the oxytocin, you know, sort of this chemical in our brain that, that, that makes us kind of feel good, we naturally get this from from authentic love or from friendship, um, even even from our marriage in the marital act. But but that this this what's happening in our brain in in a community setting this 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 sense of satisfaction and fulfillment in in being loved that this is actually uh, replaced by some of the brain chemistry that occurs. With, with drug use, and it's kind of like a shortcut, like an, in, mm. an instant intensification, but it's, it's ultimately incredibly shallow. Mm. Um, 
and it doesn't it doesn't give us that that robust framework of community life um, that 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 helps us when things aren't aren't going well, mm-hmm. you know. So it's it's like we're we're replacing the true good with something very cheap and shallow. You know, that's that's fascinating, Chris, because what you're saying here, I think, is helping our listeners shift the the mindset or the paradigm that those who do drugs in our community are bad guys. When the reality is mm. those who do drugs in our community are lacking the deep, intimate friendship and relationships where they can truly find or their, their brains are being stimulated by oxytocin, like you're saying, right? And in that sense, they're deeply wounded. So what That's is right. it that we can do as faithful members of the church to uh, wh- where do we go from here? How can we help? Well, you know, I think for those of us who are married lay people, um, we talk about um, the family being the first building block of society, mm-hmm. and and we have to really think about that not as like, um, you know, just a short little saying that is on like an Instagram meme or a prayer card, but actually as a as an organizing principle for our lives, and and so one of our goals in raising children should be to give to give our children an, um, a deep and meaningful experience of, of authentic family and community life. So to, to give them an experience in, in, in human love hmm. um, and, and witness for them what that looks like. So what, when they're someday out of our house, they can go forth and, and do that in their own family or, or give that experience to others um, you know, among their friends. Beautiful, beautiful, Chris, and uh, uh, just Father Tim here to say that uh, so much is true in in encouraging families to to keep that love as uh, uh, St. John Paul II wrote about in his Familius Consortio, that the goal of the family is to guard, reveal, and communicate love. And, uh, mm-hmm. and we do that by sharing community and faith with one another and uh, in conscious formation within the family. And so as a pastor, uh, in this last week, and encouraging my faithful members to do not be wishy-washy about naming sin in your family. Mm-hmm. Form consciences. And the most beautiful sight I see in my families is when they stand in line to go to confession together. And I know at your parish, Chris, at the Cathedral of St. Joseph, I see that regularly, all the way from the, the, you know, the eight-year-old all the way to, to dad, standing in line and getting that right relationship. But in that practice of the faith, we're forming consciences and we're preparing our children for a lifelong love in Jesus Christ in service to the church. Chris, thank you for being on air with us this morning. If any of our listeners need more information, how can they get a hold of uh, South Dakota Catholic Conference and the statements you issue? You know, the best way is to go to the website, sdcatholicconference.org. Chris, thanks for the work you do. We're praying for you. Up next here on Real Presence Live, the question is, are statues and icons idols to saints? We'll discuss this next. Stay tuned right here on Real Presence Live. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 